Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the owner of the Seckler Law Firm, and if you are uh, new to our radio show or if you're catching this on a podcast or on the YouTube channel, um, this show we do because we are an education-first law firm. We try to let people know what they're up against with some pretty complicated rules. We try to let people know um, the things they should be thinking about with the hope that they avoid mistakes, um, get their assets to the kids. You know, it, it kind of occurs to me that people work their whole lives to accumulate some stuff, <clears throat> And uh, a lot of us sort of have this idea that when we pass away, there's probably going to be some leftovers. And far too many people don't get all the leftovers to the kids because of some expense, some tax issues, some long-term care issue. And from my standpoint, you know, I see our job as making sure that we get the things that you worked hard for to your family members. You earned it. You should keep it. Um, This show, we talk in generalities. We're going to give you uh, some information that uh, we think is helpful in the legal context. This show is not legal advice, so don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show for that matter. If you've got a legal problem, you should hire a lawyer. We're available anytime at 724-841-1393, or you can check us out at secklerlawfirm.com. That's S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. And this week I have a guest. Super excited to welcome to the radio show this morning another attorney from my office uh, by the name of Amy Reese. Now Amy and I have worked off and on together for the better part probably of five or six years in total. Uh, we had a stint working together before. Now we're working together again. And Amy is a fantastic lawyer. Um, she uh, she is the the law firm Secular Law Firm's managing attorney when it comes to estates and estate administration cases. And it's those type of cases that I invited her to to come on and chat about today. So how is and how does it work? What is the the administrative process when you lose a loved one, uh, and and what does that journey look like from a legal standpoint? But before we get into that, say hi to everybody. Hello, how are you? The uh, and and I've got to brag on you a little bit. So Amy has a second degree, a second law degree. I I had enough of law school the first time I went through. I never wanted to see the place again. Amy is uh, is not that way. She went back to law school for a second time. So, so tell everybody about your second law degree. So, uh, yes, I am a glutton for punishment. I went back and I got my LLM in taxation. Uh, it's just uh, more of a specialty that uh, results in uh, knowing more information about taxes that are involved in estate planning, estate administration. Also, you have a holistic um, uh, of the whole internal revenue code of course then they go and change it all the time and then they change the revenue code (laughs) on you all the time that's a that's a treadmill you got to stay on but what what it does in in a lot of respects i mean there are cases that come to our office whether they hear about it on the radio show or somewhere else where frankly i probably wouldn't take the case if amy weren't on the team because amy has a a wonderful working knowledge of some of the intricacies of the tax code that might impact 
higher net worth families may in, involved of business owners who who wish to sell their businesses and you know in, in the legal practice you kind of know what you're good at and you know what you're not great at and and you know we do a darn good thing uh, we do darn good work in a lot of different areas but there are nuances within the tax code that I feel a lot more comfortable getting involved in the cases because Amy's on the team and and she just has that know-how and that experience and and she's a wonderful asset to the team so there you go um I'm going to ask you one more personal question before we get into uh, the estate admin stuff. Not too personal. <laughs> Not too personal. Why, why do you like this practice here? Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing divorces or criminal work? Why? Why are you in the estates and trusts and in estate planning business? Um, I like the estate planning and estate administration because this is such an area that affects everybody i don't care what you have or what you don't have um this affects everyone there's there's not a person out there that i can't help so that's why i really do enjoy this um a lot of people just don't know what to do don't understand that getting a will off of legal zoom or something of that nature um why it's so important that you sit down and and we discuss it because it's going to affect the next generation so not only am i helping you but i'm helping the next generation and that's what i love so much about uh this line of work it's awesome and, and you know and it's it's um it really is a rewarding line there's so many professions in the legal industry where um, people really don't like what they're doing. You know, a lot of criminal attorneys don't like what they're doing because of the, the clientele that they represent sometimes. And, and there's a lot of people that are in family law, for example, that it's heartbreaking every day because you see families getting torn apart uh, and you see fighting over the kids and you see all of these things that are extremely painful. And in the estate planning world, we deal with pain, we deal with loss, but but in the practice itself, we get to be sort of not in the middle of the drama, not in the middle of the fight. We get to take somebody's hand through a difficult time and sort of work them through the process uh, and, and look for a positive outcome and a better future and all of that. And it really doesn't, like to your, to your point, it really doesn't matter if the client has $20,000 or $20 million. They worked hard for those dollars, and we need to take the same care and the same, um, the same level of attention to these clients to make sure that their wishes are carried out. Their family members get the leftovers. We don't lose it to uh, taxes or long-term care expenses or administrative fees or whatever the heck it is, and and we really help them carry out their version of the American dream. And I, I just think it's an awesome thing that, that we get to do every day. Um, but I invited you on today for one is to introduce you to the audience, and second is to talk about the estate administration process because this is your baby. I, I don't do these cases Amy does these cases, uh, which the state administration is referring to the legal things that need to occur once you have lost a loved one. Someone passes away, your parent, your your spouse, uh, and now you've been named the executor or the trustee, and we got to talk through, you know, what does this process look like? And so um, let's just start at the very beginning. Let's say that there's a listener on here that has recently lost a loved one the last week or two. Um, what do they do? Like, what is there? Are there emergency things they need to do right away? Like, what does the first week or two look like? So the first week or two should just be focusing on grieving. Uh, there is really not too much that anyone can do until we get those death certificates in hand. The death certificates is really the driving force before we can actually do anything. Um, 
so a lot of times I will get that phone call, uh, you know, my, my loved one passed away, um, yesterday, a week ago. And they're say, what, what, what should I do? Do I need to come in? And I say, you know, go, th- go through the funeral, do, do everything you need to do grieve because there's nothing that needs to be done right now. Once you receive the death certificates, once that, you know, you're, you're in a better place, then come, come in, we'll discuss uh, the next steps. And the death certificates they get from? Uh, you will get from the funeral homes. Right. So the funeral homes, and they'll ask you how many you want and different things. Correct. Any tips on how many you want? Um, so a lot of times, uh, it, it, it depends. The very typical lawyer answer. The first two words they teach in law school. It depends. Uh, it's going to be dependent a lot on uh, what you already know about um, your loved one's assets. Okay. Uh, so, so um, if if you're a veteran, you get so many for for free. Uh, if you, um, it really depends. Like, yeah. there's 17 accounts all over the right. world. Are we dealing with one bank? And you know, so I guess maybe there's no great rule of thumb. Yeah, there, but... there's really no great rule of thumb there. And um, uh, you're 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 always good with five. Um, and the, w- within a certain amount of time, the funeral home can get you more, can get you more. pretty quickly. But worst case scenario, we go to vital statistics and, and order, more order more of that. Okay. And now that they get their death certificate, what happens next? So at that point, uh, we need to determine if um, there is a will. If uh, your loved one had a will, then we, t- we whoever is appointed under the will will go down, get them appointed, and we'll start administering the estate. If there is no will, that's when it gets a little tricky. Because there's an order that uh, people who can who uh, who's allowed to serve. So typically, it's a surviving spouse. Um, when we get past the surviving spouse, now we go into children. If there are five children, all five of those children um, have the equal ability to serve. So you might get two of them aren't speaking to each (laughs) other anymore. One of them doesn't trust the other one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. those uh those get a little hairy, but then typically you get a you get into a uh, someone either one or a couple of them being appointed, and so then you go to the courthouse and then you open up the estate as the administrator. And so, folks, if you're if you're listening to that, and, and if there's a lesson to take from that, you do not pass away without a will, because you know and I know that if you got multiple kids, one of them is better than the other one to be able to administer this thing, and one of them is going to be a pain in the neck, and and so. You know, it, it, it's kind of like when we get into a situation, it, it's kind of like there's just too many cooks in, in the kitchen, so to speak. Like at Thanksgiving, everybody wants to cook, but we really need one person in charge. And and, uh, and that's what it's like often in the state administration practice. And, and so please do a will so that we're not fighting with all five of your kids all at the same time over who gets to make the decision. Because the, 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 the truth is the only people that win in that situation are the lawyers because we're just billing more. Every time there's an argument, a couple more billable hours and, and – um, and I've been involved in estates where, you know, there, there's some people that just don't even care about getting the inheritance. They just want to stick it to their brother. And the more billable hours I can rack up, the less inheritance he's going to get. And so, you know, it just it's uh, so just just plan. Don't don't leave it to chance. All right. So I'm I'm off my uh, my sofa. All right. So so 
let's let's assume we've gone through that process and we've gotten someone appointed, whether they're executor named in the will or whether it's a personal rep because we let the judge decide who gets who gets the the thing. And by the way, being an executor is not always a privilege, right? I mean, it's a privilege, it's but it's not always a pleasure. How about that? It's it's exactly. it it can be a lot of work. And and so how do they get started? So they've been appointed, what happens next? So then uh there are a lot of rules uh that they have to follow in um that apply to them being in their role as a fiduciary. Uh, nine times out of ten, you the attorney will guide them through the right pri- uh, process so that they do everything by the book because if they do not, then they could be held at that point personally liable. Um, so that is one thing that we do need to to remember when we are named as a fiduciary. That is a responsibility that if we do things properly, then um, we, will ne- we won't be held we personally liable. Yeah. However, if we don't follow the rules, then uh, we could potentially be personally liable. An executor liable. could be personally liable for making mistakes, depending on the mistake and whatnot. But So, so the du- yeah, the duties that, that they need to perform is basically getting uh, a list of the, all of the assets uh, of your loved one, going through um, collecting all of the information about the expenses and debts. Uh, we don't want to just willy-nilly start paying all of the expenses and debts. There is, there is a, a uh, hierarchy to every um, expense and debt. There are different classes of, of claims. So Correct. like if we owe taxes, that probably comes before the credit card bill, right? Correct. So Correct. you have to do that. So just because there's a bill landing in the mailbox doesn't mean you need to pay that bill right away. You probably need to seek some advice. And, and um, in the event that you are an executor and you're wondering, like, what am I going to do next? Or if, you know, if, if I'm expecting that my parent may pass away in the short term, what happens next? You should know that probably 99% of executors hire a lawyer to help with the estate. Very few people are going to do this alone. You're going to hire our law firm. You're going to hire another law firm. I once had a, 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 an employee whose dad I, I was really close with, and I knew the guy, uh, and and he was charged with being the executor. He goes, I'm not going to hire a law firm. I'm gonna, I, he just was a, a curious fellow. I want to go through the process on his own. And a couple of weeks in, he starts showing up at the office with questions. I'm like, I, I didn't think you were going to hire a lawyer. Uh, and, and you know, so we ended up helping him through it. But it, it, it's a confusing enough process where you don't want to go through it without a tour guide. And there are pitfalls, and you can get yourself in trouble. So everybody hires a lawyer. Right. And there are deadlines that need to uh, be hit. So getting, getting the uh, best information at the very beginning will ensure that you administer it properly um, and not miss any deadlines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one of which is, and, and the one that we can chat about a little bit is, um, one of the earliest deadlines is the early filing for the inheritance tax return. So why don't you just talk folks through the inheritance tax and, and why we want to get it done early? So um, in Pennsylvania, uh, if we... If we have beneficiaries that are not um, our spouses, then there is the Pennsylvania inheritance tax. 4.5% to lineal descendants, 12% to siblings, 15% to pretty much everybody else. Um, 
if we make a prepayment, now we don't necessarily have to have the tax return done, filed at that three-month mark, but if we do make a prepayment within uh, three months of the date of death, we get a 5% discount. So basically for every $100, uh, we're getting the credit that we're paying $105. There you go. So you know, a 5% discount on some estates is not nothing. Uh, on the inheritance tax bill. And, you know, Harrisburg wants their money as soon as possible, so they give you a discount for giving you their, your money as soon as possible. But it's a deadline you don't want to miss because it, it could mean, depending on the size of the estate, it could mean tens of thousands of dollars. And so we, we want that that's the first deadline that comes up that has real financial consequences if we don't meet it, right? Correct. Um, what happens if, like, just so that, that assumes that people have some money. What happens w- when there's an estate where there really isn't much? Like what occurs there? Do do we always open an estate? We don't always uh, open up an estate. Um, there may be, and it's the analysis over the assets that has to occur before we are down at the courthouse. If our loved one only had joint assets and assets that are beneficiary designated. There's no reason to open up an estate because by operational law, all of those assets have transferred to a person. Right. Or an, and people make this mistake all the time. Like people that, that do the will once or twice and don't really treat this like a, a process, but they do a will when the kids are little and then they do a will when they're in retirement or whatever. They, there's an assumption amongst the general public that the will governs everything. Right. I've seen people that did like the self-help will online mm-hmm. and they screw it up all the time because, for example, I had I had a, a, an estate where it was a self-help will and the person put in the will. I leave my life insurance contract to Sister A, but on file at the life insurance company, the beneficiary designation was Sister B. Well, the will was drafted later in time. OK, this person who passed away drafted this will in contemplation of death. And wanted Sister A to get the money in the life insurance contract. So they did, like, the online will. They said life insurance goes to this person. But the life insurance company does not care what your will says. They have a contract with you. When you get into the life insurance contract, you designate a beneficiary. That's where they're sending the money. Uh, And and so people get confused about how the will and beneficiary-designated assets coexist and how they work together. And the reality is if people have a lot of beneficiary designations, it doesn't go through the will. And and so that it's just simply not part of the estate. We may have to pay inheritance tax on the dollars. We may have to do some administrative things with regard to those dollars, but they're not technically part of the estate. Correct. And, and beneficiary designations could also be uh, transfer on death uh, right. designations onto, onto like checking accounts, investment accounts. Or even jointly owned assets kind of work the same way. Correct, because as soon as you pass away, the joint owner is uh, now the owner of that asset. And then sometimes, a lot of times, we run into with all of these assets now automatically by operation of law transferring to these people, we have no money in the estate to pay any any taxes. (laughs) And then the other thing is, is, so please, 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 if you're listening to this radio show, don't make the assumption that, oh, beneficiary designations sound easy and they're the right answer. They're not always the right answer. See, in a will, we don't just answer the question, who gets the money when I pass away? In a will, we also answer the question, well, what happens if that person dies before me? What happens if they're underage? What happens if they're disabled? What happens if they go through a divorce? What happens if, like, we can go through all of these different 
what if things. And it's those what if questions that really can kind of blow up an estate and blow up a family because we left money to somebody in the middle of a lawsuit or in the middle of a divorce, and now we're going to lose dad's life savings to the kids' legal issues. Uh, and and so we got to be real careful. I, I, I encourage my clients all the time to not um, to not rely too heavily on beneficiary designations for, for all of those reasons. Right. And that's why it's so important, too, when you are meeting with an attorney to do estate planning. We are not trying to be intrusive uh, when we're asking for your financial information. It's because we're trying to take that holistic approach to your estate plan. We need to know. If we don't know right. what's going on, we're going to make a mistake in our advice, right? Yeah. Correct. Um, okay. Um, so now we got, we're sworn in. Let's assume there's some money in the estate. Let's assume that we're doing it. We're, we pay the inheritance tax at the three-month mark. mark. Um, talk to me about what happens next. So um, at, at that point, we are getting to d- d- determine how much is actually in the estate and who is going to get paid. Um, like I said, there there is an order or a classification of uh, who gets paid. And so it will always be the courts will always get their money first uh, with probate. Um, you're also going to have the attorney's fees. <laughs> that always gets paid. Um, and, and then all of the funeral expenses. After those, those classifications, that's when it starts getting into the gray areas. Uh, um, you know, we're going to be paying the six months from the date of death, and then we have all of the credit cards. Well, what credit card company um, is, is over another credit card company? And it's really not um, we're going to pay this credit card company but not this credit card company because we don't have money because we may have to then prorate. Split it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if we have uh, more money, then after all of those uh, expenses and everything are paid, um, after the Pennsylvania inheritance tax is filed and the inventory is filed with the courts, we pay the courts all their fees, that's when we get into who gets what. Who's getting an inheritance and when do they get their inheritance and all of that, right? Correct. Good. So in, in most estates, like if we're actually administering an estate through the legal process, not beneficiary designations, or, or, but most estates, how long on average until we finally close up the estate? Again, I'm going to give you the it depends <laughs> answer. Um, it's going to be dependent a lot on how quickly we get the asset information, uh, how oft, how quickly we get the expense information. Also, there is a one year from uh, the advertising of the estates that any creditors can make a claim. Right. So a lot of times we will advise um, the fiduciaries of the estate to wait until at least that one-year uh, period has passed. And this is when, and, and we're going to run out of time before we can fully explain this, but this is one of the reasons why when people come to our, our workshop and learn about the different estate planning tools when they're planning ahead, this is one of the reasons why I really like to use trust because with certain trusts, um, depending on the type of trust, when you pass away, the trust could be outside of the reach of creditor claims, right? Correct. Which means two things. One, you know, imagine a scenario where if I pass away and um, I pass away from a car accident and in that car accident, it's my fault and, and someone else passes away too, right? So now there's a lawsuit 
now, you know, I've got insurance, but let's just say that my assets that I owned before I passed away could now possibly be subject to this lawsuit um, and or any other creditor claims, my final medical expenses, any any debt I had, it could be subject to certain claims. And if I have some of my assets in, in a certain type of trust, what we call an asset protection trust, it could be outside of the reach of those creditor claims, which means two things. One, those creditors can't get the money. But then two, because they can't get the money, I don't have to sit on the money for 12 months before I'm doing a distribution to the kids. With, it, with an asset protection trust, we, we can distribute the money to the kids, assuming that's where the money's going. We can distribute the money to the kids faster than we could with an estate or, say, like a revocable trust. Correct. So it's just uh, and it's just one of these nuances, and you can tell, you know, when when we get into some of these specifics, right? Like, of course, I would rather my kids get their inheritance faster than slower. Of course, I would probably want to save some legal fees if I could. I, I want to be savvy with taxes. This is why you have to be proactive with your estate plan because if you just go with your head in the sand or if you just – have a will from when the kitties were little, that thing is probably not going to support the goals that you have today, and you need to reevaluate the thing. Okay, so we have about a minute and a half left, Amy. Um, any any final concluding thoughts on the estate administration process and, and why maybe why somebody might want to engage a law firm to help them with it? Um, again, it's driving home that if you don't do things correctly, uh, you can potentially open it up for personal liability. And whereas if you do engage the assistance, making sure you're doing everything right, then you're you're not going to bring on that personal liability assuming that role. Not a, and, and I just want to add to that a little bit. Yeah, the personal liability, you don't want to get yourself in trouble, but you just lost a loved one. Correct. Go through the human emotions of grieving. Let us handle the stress of the legal system, and we'll take care of you, and we'll hold your hand, and we'll walk you through the process, and we'll end up making uh, sure that you do a good job with it. So thanks for listening, guys. Remember, this is uh, for your general information. This is not legal advice, so don't make any decisions based on what you hear on this or any other radio show. If you'd like to find out more about estate planning or if you need help with a post-death administration, uh, you can reach us at 724-841-1393 or check us out at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R, lawfirm.com. Thanks for listening. We'll check you out next week. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.